The following podcast is a presentation of Project Entertainment Network. Don't be scared now, but it looks like you just wandered straight into you mind country. That's you mind, short for unaffiliated mind games, and you ain't never gonna be the same again. Brace yourself. It's time for Red Hot Truth Injection. Oh yeah! That's right, bitch. We're rounding up the sheeple and shaking them awake. You mind? Too damn bad. We're gonna set fire to the wool over your eyes. Feel the burn, baby. Hot damn. We're toppling the lies of the lamestream media one by one. Woo-wee! Watch them bad boys fall. Hey, Universe A. This is Universe B, Colin, and we're going to tear you a new one. You mind? Okay, hey everybody. I am here with Vista Council Member Karina Contreras. Uh, She is a council member who was voted in in 2018, November 2018 to be exact, and sworn in December 11th of the same year. She has a very active social media presence and has been really integral in getting the word out about all the projects and all the really exciting things that are going on in Vista, sort of improving the community. And she's one of the people who is making this city a better place. Of course, if you don't know, we, (laughs) we, we record out of Vista, so Vista is important to us. So one thing I've noticed uh, on your social media is that you have a very strong commitment to building up Vista's community gardens and biodiversity. I do, yes. So uh, you put a lot of effort into converting vacant lots into habitat for trees, for plants and wildlife. Can you talk a little bit about some of the projects you've been... Yeah, sure. So, uh, you know what, for a long time, what I've been hearing from the community is we want more access to spots that make us happy, right? Whether that be a community garden, whether that be uh, some more parks. Um, You know, we have wonderful Bringle Terrace Park, which is a huge, beautiful park. But in some other parts of Vista, there's a lot more urban and not enough wildlife. And there's a lot of opportunity for us to increase biodiversity and get a little bit of color in there, right? Mm -hmm. We can look at California native plants where we're not drawing a bunch of resources. We have, you know, drought more, a little bit more drought tolerant. Um, and so at this point, in the city of Vista, we don't have any community gardens um, that are done through the city. There are two community gardens right now, and both of them are done uh, through different entities. Um, and so that's been a big push for me personally Mm -hmm. um, is to get a little bit more of what people are saying and what they want, that type of vision into policy. And so at this point, um, we had our first discussion and it was pretty fruitful. It was uh, December of last year. Um, I think it was December 10th, if I'm not uh, mistaken, of last year. And it was the last council meeting of 2019. And so I brought up the concept of community gardens and biodiversity hotspots. One, because, you know, it's not as simple to just say we want community gardens Mm -hmm. and bam, you get them. There has to be a little bit more um, working through 
the layers of bureaucracy, right? I mean, we are talking about government. Um, But at the same time, there has to be a process where it's a sustainable thing, not something that, you know, for the first few years, um, people get together, they're really excited, and then it kind of fizzles out. So how do you have a long-term project? Uh, So really, as a council member, being able to bring these ideas up so that the rest of my colleagues, we can have that public discussion because that's where the discussion has to happen. It's in public. Um, and surprisingly, uh, my colleagues, there's five, right, on the council. So we all have 20% of the vote um, and you need a majority uh, to, to move anything forward, which is three out of five. Um, but I just wanted to bring this item up as a discussion because I wanted to see, one, what other ideas and recommendations the public might have Um, as pertains to community gardens or this concept of biodiversity hotspots. And then two, just get a feeling for what my colleagues think about this idea. Well, uh, we had some fantastic speakers um, come forward and we had a a pretty good discussion um, at at the council level. And there was unanimous support for us moving forward with this concept. Right now, it's still not planned out. Right. There's still the opportunity for the public to come and say, hey, this area right here, this seems like it would be better for a community garden versus this area looks a little bit more like it would be um, more conducive to have a biodiversity hotspot, Mm -hmm. some native plants in this area. Right. And so my goal for 2020 is to bring this forward to the council again. Um, But before that happens, um, really have a timeline as to this is when we're going to have more community input. This is the next time it's going to come to the council. This is when we're going to be voting on a decision. And so that's what 2020 is going to be focused on. Yeah, that's really exciting. Um, And for our listeners at home, uh, would you explain exactly what a biodiversity hotspot is? I know you said about native plants, kind of bringing in native wildlife that would naturally nest in those areas and Correct. Yeah. So, you know, as you've probably seen, I don't know how long you've been in Vista, but there's been a lot of growth. There's a lot of urbanization happening. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's true for so many of our cities. Right. As we grow more dense, um, it means that little spots that weren't previously developed, uh, you know, they they become a building or they Mm -hmm. become a parking lot. And so we start really missing out on. what would be a more traditional ecological system. So looking at, you know, where do you see even California poppies? Right. right? And that's like our, our state flower. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the, the concept of biodiversity hotspot in particular, looking at California natives is okay. What was there before the building was there? And what did Vista look like before it became urbanized. What kind of plants did we have? Mm -hmm. What were the needs of the plants? What were the type of pollinators that would frequent, uh, you know, X, Y, and Z plant? And are we seeing those pollinators still? You know, are we um, seeing those plants? And if we're not, which I think when you walk around Vista, you don't really see a ton of native plants. Right. when we don't see those plants, that means that we're probably not seeing those pollinators. Mm-hmm. So I'll give you an example. In um, where we're at here in our, our San Diego County, we have 
just an incredible amount of microclimate, so much diversity in our plant life um, and in the little critters, right? Uh, one of the, uh, I guess, bees that you would see that are native bees mm -hmm. uh, that you would most frequently see is this beautiful green metallic bee. It almost looks like it's out of this world, yeah. right? And it's that's one of the ones that, is kind of like a common native bee. Mm -hmm. Well, how many times do you see that in a day? Yeah, because you, you plant the wrong plants, it doesn't know what to do with them and it goes somewhere else. Correct, right? Yeah. And so we have a ton of native bees that you just don't really see too often. But when you do get the chance to venture out in some areas that haven't been paved over and have that, you know, buckwheat, um, all these different California native plants that are essential to... Mm -hmm. Um, to bee health and pollinator health, you actually start to see these different types of bees. You don't just see the honeybee, which is not even native. No, it's Africanized. To, yeah, yeah. It's so, you know, it's how do we start to look at our city and quality of life, not just, you know, how many uh, sheriffs can we hire with all our money? Right. You know, how many... Um, parcels of public land can we sell off? Like we are starting, we have to start looking at a holistic vision, which includes ecological health mm -hmm. and social health, right? They're, these things are interlocked. I represent a district where it's a little bit more dense. It's more urbanized. We have smaller parks where there are parks and we have a lot of vacant land um, that is just kind of a dirt lot. Yeah. And you know, some of it's private, but some of it is public. So why don't we start with our public land and see, instead of having dirt or uh, non-indigenous uh, plants, mm -hmm. these invasive plants that also are a fire hazard. True. Yeah. Why don't we start moving towards getting a more diverse California native palette there in color, in even the aromatic nature of yeah. some of these California wild uh, plants, you know, and then bringing the pollinators. Because it only takes about three to five different species of plants within a small area to create a biodiversity hotspot. And then you start to see all these migrating birds, you know, coming closer to the urban center, um, which is, I think, a cool thing in general. Oh, yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> I think uh, one of the big things that people fight against is is there's this sort of idea that we like have a lot of chaparral, coastal sage scrub, things like that, that to a lot of people look like weeds. They look brown, they look dingy, and it's like you, you got to teach people to see that beauty because they, they want to see like green lawns and rose gardens and like, well, we, we don't live in England. Exactly. And so <laughs> we have to modify to the environment that we live in. That's a great point. Yeah. Right. And it's that um, traditional ecological knowledge that has been lost. Mm -hmm. And that's where I think the city of Vista and our surrounding cities here, especially in North County, could really build a bridge and have a more inclusive society, um, especially when we're looking at biodiversity. We can look at traditional ecological knowledge. Right. Our indigenous people here that are still here, mm -hmm. that are never given a seat at the table, never brought into these types of discussions, right? And 
this is actually could be a component of what's called our climate action plan. So all the cities around here, uh, they have a climate action plan. And it's a way to reduce our greenhouse gas emissions. So why don't we start looking at these plans in a more holistic way? Again, always looking at a more holistic, regenerative way of living. Um, biodiversity hotspots should be a part of all these different climate action plans. Yeah. You know, sequestering carbon. How are we um, helping our a little bit more on the rural periphery, but still in what's called the sphere of influence of VISTA, so like Bonzel um, out in the country? You know, how are we helping our rural communities that are still in agriculture and, you know, seeing as how San Diego County has the most small farms out of all the counties in the United States? Yeah. Like, how are we helping them with their crop production via pollinization? Mm -hmm. Right. Like, how are we addressing low uh, honeybee counts and uh, looking at, OK, so how do native bees pollinate these crops and are they doing do they do it at a better rate you know are we planting um around the periphery of farms uh kind of more uh, annuals that are native flowers that come up for the pollinators that kind of stuff right and so like that's where municipal government or county government these different layers of government can actually work together and have this better view of what type of community we want to have, right? Mm -hmm. We want to be able to bring in local agriculture here to downtown Vista yeah. to our restaurants. And so like, what is that synergy and what does the policy look like that allows us to implement biodiversity hotspots that allows us to implement these different types of regenerative solutions for long-term well-being? Yeah, absolutely. And like you brought up before, uh, it's integral, like the ecological health of an area is important for the people who live in that area. Um, I know that uh, I've talked a lot about uh, the fact that you, people complain that kids are sitting on their phones or playing video games, but it's like, well, some of them don't have any other opportunities if we don't provide parks, if we don't provide recreational areas. And one thing that I notice you guys have been doing that's really great is you're starting to, um, like you had uh, brought up uh, Thibodeau and Brengel Terrace Parks, mm -hmm. Uh, you're putting pickleball courts in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and uh, movies in the park. And uh, just creating that environment for people to get out there if they want to do that and uh, interact with the environment and uh, be outside. And I, I think that's really great. Um, is that kind of motivated by the same force? or? You know, I, I think so, because I think... It's just the direction that people want to take their communities is mm -hmm. different now, right? They want, I think in general, people want to be a little bit more connected with their surrounding areas. They want to have a better idea of who their neighbors are, mm -hmm. a better idea of, uh, you know, how to stay local and have a good time. Yeah. And not have to drive through crazy traffic, right? It's so variable. Mm -hmm. I mean... I wish I could go down to San Diego and have a good time over there, you know, and, and visit and walk around, but it could take 45 minutes to get there or it could right. take two hours to get there. Right. <laughs> yeah. And so I think this is something that we're seeing, you know, not just here in Vista, but again, in, in North County in general, mm -hmm. as 
people are starting to say, what can I do in my own backyard? How can I, as you know, a single person or I, as a father, or I, as a family unit, um, how, how can we just enjoy what's around us? And so part of that is municipalities are like, okay, how do we build that future that people want? Um, and the Moonlight Amphitheater, that's one of, you yeah. know, a huge attraction where you can go and you can see uh, plays out in the open. Yeah. It's beautiful. Uh, they show movies there. Um, and there's been a push to also start transforming our perks that have like that traditional landscape of a mm-hmm. lawn and, you know, maybe a few trees here and there, but not a lot of thought put into what kind of trees, what kind of vegetation are we using? But because we hit that water crisis and we're not necessarily out of a water crisis Mm -hmm. and we continue to see uh, prolonged droughts and then really crazy rain events all of a sudden. And so there's been a push and it's just been little by little and it's culminated to, to now where we're starting to look at our landscapes differently. How does water run off of our landscape? How do we collect it? How do we slow it down? Mm-hmm. And at the same time, you know, what kind of plants can we put here to keep the soil in place that aren't going to drink up a ton of water, that we're not going to have to do extra irrigation? And so you see all these different um, areas of focus just coming together. And what we see in the public is hey, this park has some new plants in it and you know it's 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 more friendly it has the pickleball courts now so there's now this new group of people that are able to enjoy and so it's like how do we overlap and in permaculture it's called stacking functions Mm -hmm. right so in one uh area how do you get as many functions as possible um and it it comes down to design and planning and so i think uh, holistically is the direction that a lot of um, people want to see their cities go um, in the design uh, and planning aspect at the city level is, is really taking that to heart. And I think we could do better, yeah. obviously. It, we could do better as far as the time frame, the implementation of it, bringing more people to the table to have these discussions, um, and just all around being more inclusive about how we move design forward, how we design our communities uh, instead of having development come and drive out community, mm-hmm. right, and just kind of sterilize it with an architecture that maybe is just a little dry and stale, yeah, you know, and so that's where the municipal level, this basic level of government, <laughs> right, that affects us on a daily basis that I had no idea how involved it was in, in my life until January 2017 when I started to investigate it. And so my whole thing is bringing what I learn and what I know at this point out into the public and having the public come back into this building here, come to our council meetings and let us know, what do you want to see in your community? Right. Because I will be 100 percent honest with you. We uh, and this is a general statement for for cities in general, but developers come to us with these beautiful blueprints Mm -hmm. right and they they paint this picture of what they want to see and the way the system is they're the ones who get the most time they don't have to just have two three minutes 
at a council meeting, right? They get to come and show us these plans. But why is it that we can't have people do that too? Like people can come and bring us plans. They can bring policy that in groups they've developed. Yeah. Right. And so like, that's the kind of future I want to see. I want to see a lot more community involvement in the way that we design our city now, Mm -hmm. because it takes 10, 15, 20 years for that vision to be implemented. So that means we have to be 10, 15, 20, 25 years, 30 years in the future thinking about what that future is going to be like, not just a reaction to the short term. Yeah. So. And you mentioned bringing the public in. Uh, One of the things that I've seen you uh, post about that I think is really great, I believe it's every Wednesday in District 1, there is a trash pickup that people can just show up for. Yeah, it's so cool. Um, it's, It's one of the most exciting things because I get to have a different perspective every Wednesday. And that's the perspective of a pedestrian Mm -hmm. that I don't necessarily get for an hour plus time. Right. Like it, when I'm a, when I'm a pedestrian, um, because I have a vehicle, when I, when I am a pedestrian, it is for maybe five minutes Mm -hmm. at a time. Right. So having this long vision of, okay, what's it like transversing district one for about an hour to two hours, um, getting to meet, you know, neighbors that I've never, they've never seen me before. I've never seen them before. We get to have a conversation about what they see in the neighborhood. And at the end of the day, we have picked up as a group, like 120 gallons of trash, Nice, you know? Um, but this wasn't even my idea. This came out of a town hall. So I have town halls every quarter. Mm. Um, the next town hall is March 4th, starts at 630 at the Linda Road Center. It's the gym um, in the VAPA campus. So kind of like uh, facing North Santa Fe. If you're going south on North Santa Fe, <laughs> uh, it would be on the right hand side. Um, and so I had a town hall and we were just having a discussion as a community. And uh, these amazing women came forward. They're like, we want to pick up trash. We see way too much trash in our communities. We deserve to have a clean community. And I was like, yeah, totally. What are we going to do? What are we going to do about it? And right then and there, we're like, okay, let's meet up Wednesday at Luz Duran Park. At, it was 8.30 at that time. At 8.30. And let's talk and let's just go pick up trash. Yeah. And then it just became a thing. So every single Wednesday, my team captain, Jovita Serafin, who is amazing, um, she is always there and I'm like 90% of the time there every, every so often I have a a conflict with my schedule. Um, but we start walking at 9am every single Wednesday. And prior to that, we discussed, okay, in this area, we've seen a little bit more trash. We got to make sure we hit that up today. And then we plan our route out. And then every so often as we're walking, we might switch it up. But, um, little by little, the word has been getting out and we've been seeing more people participate and uh, recently we've had our uh, local uh, firefighters association, the local 4107 join us. Um, and that's been really cool. So it's just an experience that, you know, I would have never have guessed a few years ago I would have been doing any of this. Yeah. Um, and I'm so in love with picking up trash. It is the most like just, it's so therapeutic. Mm-hmm. It is so therapeutic. And then, when we're done, 
we go about our day, you know, we finish at around 11, 11.30. And we've done about two, three miles of walking. We split off, go on our own ways, live the rest of our lives. But we get to see the difference. Mm -hmm. And as we've been doing it weekly, there's less trash, right? Yeah. And there's more people that are like, hey, you know what? Oh, I really appreciate that you guys did this. Or even some people now start telling, you know, my team captain and the other women involved, hey, you know what? We saw a lot of trash over here. Do you guys think you can come <laughs> pick this up in this area? Right? And so little by little, I think that's how you break through apathy. Mm -hmm. um, because for a long time, it's just like, this is just what our community looked like, looked like, right? It looked like a place where there's a lot of people that care, but didn't know what to do. Yeah. And so it just takes that point person. And I think that's really what people want to see in their elected officials now. As someone that really does represent them. And whether or not you agree 100% of the time, that's not a realistic thing. Mm -hmm. But someone that is going to be a point person for the community. And not just a solo, solo uh, leader type of person, right? But someone that believes in more decentralized leadership and teaching more people how to become leaders in the community. Yeah. And eventually then we can have even more opportunity for really um, diverse candidates to come forward, which is only better for yeah. people because then we get to have more opportunity for, um, you know, picking someone that, that really espouses our values. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What, what item of trash do you encounter most Cigarette often? butts. Cigarette butts. Oh, my gosh. Cigarette butts are, it is the absolute worst. Mm. And then that's what gets, I mean, they're tiny, right? Yeah. And so, and light. So as soon as it rains, those are the first little pieces of trash mm. that go right into our storm drain. That's not good. So if I could just beg Vista right now, <laughs> please, please, Vista, if you're going to smoke, don't toss your cigarette butts on the ground. Yeah. And they're so hard to pick up sometimes. Aww. Right. And so, um, yeah, that is the number one trash item. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but that's really exciting. So when is your next trash pickup? Is it going to be next Wednesday? Next Wednesday. Yep. So um, people start gathering at around 830. Okay. And then we roll out by 9 a.m. We start walking. <laughs> Very cool. So I noticed that Vista has grown a lot as far as businesses in the past couple of years. Mm -hmm. We now have the Courtyard Marriott. Um, we have 18 breweries, three distilleries, two wineries, a new grocery store. But in addition to that, we also have business walks and uh, business parks that are downtown uh, right by the movie theater. You have this beautiful lake where the ducks come. Yeah, and... yeah, yeah. The creek walk oh, type yeah. of area. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, now, has that been something that you guys have been really focused on, is making sure that there's a balance between those two things? Um, as far as, uh, like, business park, businesses and open space type of areas, mm -hmm. you know, I think, so... Those types of designs were thought up a long time ago prior to me being on council. However, I think it really just goes back to what we were talking about before yeah. is this idea that people want a little bit different type of experience, whether that is going to a restaurant or living, you know, going back to where you live mm -hmm. or going to where you work. 
right? And so it has been designed to have that in mind. Um, and a lot of that comes through uh, the private side, right? Um, so that's where a developer will bring forward a plan um, and then it goes depending on what the zoning's like, and this is where it gets really wonky. So depending on what the zoning's like, and then it might go through planning commission, it might be, you know, by right. Um, but at some point, there's a checking of what that vision is. And if it comes before the political body, before the council, that's where you want your representative to be like, okay, you know what, this looks a little drab, we want it to look a little bit better. Right. And so uh, it just really depends on the project and where it, how it has to navigate its way from plan to implementation. Mm -hmm. um, but I think what I've seen in so many different places uh, is just the idea of not just having a, a straight industrial type of yeah. feeling, right, experience. It's a little bit more like, hey, where can we have a courtyard even for employees to go and have a lunch break? Mm -hmm. Which I think is, again, going back to that ecological health, um, well-being for us. I mean, we're just humans, right? We're, we're complex oh, yeah. creatures. But we haven't outgrown our bi biology and, no. and those needs that we have. Um, and so we, when we're looking at well-being, it includes nature yeah it includes you know the sounds of birds the shade of a tree um not just fluorescent light all the time but like real sunshine that yeah. just makes you feel happy <laughs> and so i think for the last um few years especially probably going back to like 15 10 years there's been more of a push for that type of design. Um, and it's now it's up to us as a public to hold uh, all these plans to even higher standard, right? And how do we start using more ecologically friendly materials in building and stuff like that? So mm -hmm. starting to add more complexity to um, the way we think about public health and public well-being and mm -hmm. design is such a big part of that. Yeah. I, I don't know if you're familiar, um, I can't remember the name of the scientist who implemented it, but for a very long period of time when we would do uh, addiction studies in psychology, there would be, that like they'd have rats, and they would have one water bottle that's just plain water and one water bottle that had cocaine and water mixed, and the rats in this sterile empty cage with just two water bottles, and invariably it would go over to the cocaine and they'd mm -hmm. be like, oh well, you know, addiction, they, they just, they, they can't help themselves. And somebody came in, um, and I, I'll have to put the name in the credits because I can't remember it offhand. But he had came in and he said, they don't have anything to entertain them. Rats are social. They don't like being alone. They like to play with things. They like to exercise. And so he built this little rat village where they had like little puff balls. And like they, they love to play with these little puff balls, just like cats or dogs or anything. They like toys. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, they had uh, their exercise wheels and all sorts of stuff like that. And they had the two water bottles. And he said that the rats would, they'd go to the cocaine or the heroin laced water every now and then, but they never did it to excess to the point where they got themselves sick or killed themselves. 
because they were entertained. They didn't need to constantly do that. They had a dynamic environment. Yes. <laughs> and I think that's what you guys are creating and what I'm so excited to see here in Vista is that we really are creating this dynamic environment that's so exciting to live in and so exciting to watch it blossom like it is. Definitely, definitely. And, you know, one of one of the things that recently um, came before the council, I'm not sure if you're aware um, or if much of the public is aware, but um, we have the beautiful AVO mm-hmm. downtown, right? But for most of the year, it is not being utilized. And so how do we have a more dynamic experience downtown? Well, we recently um, entered into uh, an exclusive type of negotiation, um, maximum of 18 months, uh, with a developer that's, you know, considering what can the AVO become, mm-hmm. right? How can we still, and my whole thing is like, we're not trying to blow it up and put something new. I want to keep that historical feel to it. Mm-hmm. But the programming inside, could we start to have something like the belly up? Yeah. You know, I mean, bringing all these different cool kind of music acts, stand up comedy, whatever the case might be. Um, that's also part of this ecosystem that we're talking about. Right. Where's the entertainment? Where's the diversity in, in, in entertainment? Um, because not everybody's going to go to the moonlight. Right. Not everybody's going to go up to a belly up tavern style type of thing. But when you start providing different types of, of areas to congregate socially, um, you start to inevitably get more people uh, colliding with one another. Yeah. Right. And more more exciting things that come from these different ideas and different types of people walking and brushing up amongst each other, you know, having a beer uh, downtown Vista and, you know, you hear over here someone else at the fire pit and it's like, oh, hey, that's a really cool conversation. And so like that's I think that's the type of experience that is only going to continue here in Vista. And we're trying to figure out, you know, how to make this a fun place just to live where you can work, you can have a good time and you can go home you know, and rest and have that not all spread out San Diego County, but something where you can within, you know, a five to 10 minute uh, walk, lift ride or whatever Mm -hmm. the case might be, you're there already. Yeah. Yeah. And also having all those like uh, the wineries, the craft breweries and stuff, we're supporting our San Diego farms by doing that. And I think that's leveraging that type of agricultural history. I mean, here in Vista, we have the antique uh, gas and steam engine. Oh, it's a fantastic place. That place is awesome. It is so cool. That happens to be in the district that I represent. Right. And if, if I could see one thing in district one, it would be for the community to just be so connected that, everybody knows that we have this amazing asset, right? And that we, more kids in in my community get to drive a tractor for the first (laughs) time. I think that's so cool. They get to do blacksmithing, right? And we talked, you hit on something uh, really important earlier. Maybe it's that people don't have the space to go and 
be out in nature and mm-hmm. exercise, right? Some people just don't have that, especially when we become more high density. Yeah. Kids aren't, they don't have that acre and a half to play on by mm-hmm. themselves, right? And so as a society, we have to make sure that we're providing these health access points for our youth, right? And I think that we have some assets here um, in our city that could be a little bit better connected and more uh, inclusive of a wider uh, population, a wider demographic. But it means people have to know about it. It means it has to be accessible. And um, it means that people have to use it. Yeah. Right. And so it's, I think that's where it's not outside of the purview of the city to see how we can foster that type of growth, that type of well-being in our community. It, it, it might it might mean that we can't you know do it all, mm-hmm. but how can we partner up with these different organizations to leverage our resources here that the city has and whatever resources that organization has, so we can build something really cool for the community, and then we could see you know hopefully decreases in um, delinquency at school, yeah, you know decreases in substance abuse decreases in these different areas that you know I think we all want to see progress in Mm -hmm. and then um, I'm really excited to see uh, that uh, you did vote in favor of the uh, change of uh, the solutions for change main campus expansion I did yes now that's a part of our community that sometimes gets ignored is uh, the home insecure or the homeless that is 100% correct you know um, We have different organizations that are doing amazing work. Mm -hmm. Uh, But absent the city of Vista building its own shelter, um, we have to see who is doing that in our community. And I, the plan that came before us, Solutions for Change, they have a plan to do a campus expansion, to have more spots available for uh, women and, and families uh-huh. um, that are on the brink, right? Uh, we we need to, as a society, um, enrich those programs that are doing so much on a shoestring budget. Uh, but at the same time, it, it is the responsibility of the city yeah. to start doing things like this, right? Where we where we have real, again, holistic type of plans moving forward um, because this is public money mm-hmm. and we have to be really careful about where we infuse public money, um, especially when it goes to uh, nonprofits. So uh, I am 100% in favor of the campus expansion, um, but I do just want to be 100% clear as well that I think the city could be doing a lot more on its own. Right. And um, that's true for a lot of the cities here in San Diego County and the county itself, mm-hmm. because a lot of the funding that goes for uh, behavioral health or homelessness, it goes through the county level and then it gets dispersed that way. Um, but it has to be released. Right. Right. And so, um, you know, we have another organization that does so much work here in the community, Operation Hope, mm-hmm. you know, um, how can we be a better partner to them as well? Um, and how can both of these 
different organizations have the type of expansion that's necessary for this increase that we see year after year in housing insecurity of our neighbors. Um, you know, here in Vista Unified School District, uh, we've identified, the district has identified about 1,300 students that are housing insecure, um, that are considered homeless. Yeah. Um, that's a huge number, huge. Mm -hmm. And so we have to do something yeah. because it is just, it's just not right. Um, and unfortunately, to be real, is when we have these discussions about homelessness, there's always a focus on the caricature of homelessness, right? right? That person that is chronically home homeless that has a shopping cart, right? And there's just the focus on that, and it, it takes all the energy out of the room, mm -hmm. and we never get to talk about those 1,300 kids. Nope. So I challenge... Uh, everybody to have a different look, a different perspective on homelessness. Because while chronic homelessness is an issue and it needs to be addressed, it is the tip of the iceberg. And if we're only ever focused on what we can see and we don't focus on the giant portion that we don't see on a daily basis, that, you know, we, we just, we're never going to make progress. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's where, again, it goes back to this, creating a really robust and holistic environment of well-being in our mm -hmm. city. And I think uh, what I like that you've created that sense of well-being uh, by the council has put on a lot of different cultural events in Vista that reflect sort of our, our diversity as a community. Um, I want to give a lot of props to our uh, our arts oh, yeah. uh, commission for, for, you know, spearheading a lot of, um, the traction that we have now mm -hmm. in, in the arts community. Um, and big shout out too to uh, Sarah Spinks, who is uh, head of Back Fence Society, which is an amazing little art clubhouse uh, in the downtown. And so Vista, the city of Vista could not do this without the amazing in-house talent that we have yeah. here in our own backyard. Um, and it's just, it's great to see um, your local city government working with artists and, and how that uh, could be an opportunity to increase our economic activity as well. Mm -hmm. Right. And it, it, financial well-being of artists, right. We can't just expect art to, to always be free. We can't expect murals to go up for free. Like we really need to invest in our artists. Yeah. Um, and that means, you know, when it comes time for, uh, maybe there is a venue, right, at the AVO. You know, how do we incorporate our local artists? Make sure that they always have a place to um, to show us what they have up their sleeves, mm -hmm. right? Um, so, yeah, I think it's been a fantastic partnership that I think definitely will and, and needs to grow even more. Yes. I'm, I'm, there's so many projects that you have, and it's, it's hard to pinpoint just one, but uh, I, I took care of my grandma for uh, about a year and a half before she passed, and uh, one, one of the things that just really troubled me was that there, there was no opportunities for her to get out and to do things. Um, she, she had mobility issues, and 
there are so many like senior out and about trips that are being organized by the city and uh, recreational opportunities. And uh, I'd love if you could talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so. definitely. Um, the out and about program is phenomenal. And so for those who don't know, um, it is a program for our seniors uh, where we go and pick them up and take them to different cultural events, take mm -hmm. them to the senior center, take them to go get groceries. Um, and, you know, when we're looking at our uh, senior community, mobility is the biggest thing, mm -hmm. right? That is the biggest obstacle to social interaction is people that are not mobile. They don't have the ability to transport themselves. Maybe they can't drive anymore for you know a variety of reasons. Um, and then what happens is isolation sinks in. Yeah. And then that is detrimental to your health. Mm -hmm. So I am so happy that the city of Vista has taken seriously this component of well-being, right? Making sure that our seniors have the opportunities uh, to interact with one another um, and interact intergenerationally as well. Um, but having a means to get from one place to another. Uh, and whether it's also, you know, taxi scripts. You know, sometimes the out and about um, bus can't take you everywhere, but maybe, you know, we can help you get a reduced fare yeah. using, using a, a taxi. Um, so uh, one of the things that happened uh, last year is we increased, it was under the the title of um, senior nutrition program, but mm -hmm. it includes a lot of our senior services. And so the city of Vista was subsidizing that. Um, but we were seeing, you know, a few issues. Um, I in particular uh, love to go to the senior center because I, I usually get some good dancing in. Oh yeah. Um, it is so much fun. And uh, one of the things I kept hearing over and over was just the quality of the food, the quality of the food. Mm. And I was like, okay, you guys, I, I hear you loud and clear. <laughs> um, and so uh, when this came before the council, uh, we had a really dynamic discussion about, well, is it time to increase the amount that we provide to our seniors uh, for food, for different activities? Um, and overwhelmingly, the answer was yes. So we did increase the subsidy. I think it's $375,000 at this mm. point. Um, that we help out with and then we get grants through the county um, and so you know as uh, our population continues to age um, we're going to need to have an even better system to connect individuals to the activities that are going to be good for their well-being uh, so I can only hope that our out and about program continues to grow with the needs of the community um, and that's something that I will always fight for. Um, but it is just amazing because I hear from everybody like, hey, we went over here. It was so cool. And, you know, um, and those are that is the best thing for someone right now, like someone my age. Right. I'm 31 going on 32. Knowing that in the future, if I make it there, right, to mm -hmm. becoming a senior, I'm still going to have this amazing community. I yeah. won't be left behind. And uh, I can I can only hope that, you know, as a council, we will always be championing 
that um, quality of life for our seniors because it is really important to a community that has a fixed income, mm -hmm. that has mobility issues, um, that someone looks out for them. Oh, yeah. And, and that they have a return on their own investment of paying taxes for so many years. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, the, I mean, seniors are so important because they represent the history. Exactly. Uh, of That's this. our roots. Yeah. And Vista is a city that's so rich in history. Um, e even if you go to the uh, Albertsons uh, over by my apartment complex, they have pictures of, like, I think the first Vista City Parade where they have the Vista Writers Club that came down and just all these. And, and it's amazing to see how much it's developed over that time. Um, and I love that you're helping the seniors and you're also helping just to preserve the history of Vista. We talked about the AVO uh, and the STEAM Museum. Uh, and then there's also the Guajome Adobe. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, in this little 18 square miles of a city, mm -hmm. we have so much history here. And I really have to give it up to my predecessors. Um, we know that they watched over and guarded these pieces of, of our deep history here in Vista. Mm -hmm. um, and I think moving forward, it's like, how do we continue to connect our community to our deep past and, and make sure that everybody has an understanding and an appreciation of that history. Um, and so I think that's where we'll continue to probably see more groups that put on some really nifty functions, yeah. make those connections and really highlight uh, that, that deep history. Um, but I just think it's phenomenal. It really is. And it, it's part of our little portrait here of our, our, you know, rural area becoming more urban. Yeah. Right. And those layers that you see, like mm -hmm. it's something new next to something older and, and, and richer in history and the way that they play off one another. Um, and I think that's what really gives our downtown that unique mm -hmm. characteristic, right? That you could go to uh, Belching Beaver and yeah. the Tavern, right? And be in like, even there they preserve the, the old bank vault, which mm -hmm. is really cool. Um, but across the street, you know, you have Yellow Deli. And then, yeah. I mean, it's just... Yeah, it's it's phenomenal. It really is. It is. And I think preservation is is one of the things that I love about Vista and kind of bringing it around full circle as we close out. Um, talking about the Guajome Ranch House, the Adobe, mm -hmm. um, it, it is one of our uh, historical sites in 1850s Adobe Hacienda. Uh, but surrounding that is a whole bunch of untouched natural wetlands. Yes. That, and uh, the city's been integral in making sure that that stays untouched and is preserved. Wetlands are, first of all, I mean, with so much development that has happened here mm -hmm. in California, we've lost a lot of our wetlands, a lot of our areas that um, are temporarily wetlands, right? Known yeah. as vernal pools. Um, I mean, there's an, there's an account, I can't even remember. I, I remember hearing it a long time ago on, on the radio, but they were talking about, Back before, you know, obviously all this uh, urbanization, there's like thousands of vernal pools mm -hmm. that were listed. Um, and now we, I mean, we can count them on our hands, right? Yeah. How many? And, and wetlands also sequester a ton of carbon. Yeah. 
So it's part of that rich um, diversity that we have, whether we're looking at diverse ecosystems, uh, diverse demographics. Vista is a diverse area. It's a dynamic area in the the opportunities between uh, you know, an urban interface and a, and a wildland uh, interface. And there's so much that we could do to, to make sure that we preserve this for, mm-hmm. for future uh, generations, but also highlight um, an educational component, right? Sure. Um, making sure that people know what kind of plants. Because I know earlier in this, when we were talking, um, you you mentioned like a lot of people just don't know what these are when mm-hmm. you walk by. I was like that. I, you know, would walk by all this buckwheat and it just, I was like, Oh, whatever. It's yeah. like a weed. And then I start to learn about, you know, buckwheat can live to like 500 years or yeah. something like that. It's crazy. I'm like, man, this plant that I never paid attention to is like one of the uh, capstone species mm-hmm. for pollinators. It, it has this really long life. And it provides, uh, you know, so much to our environment. It holds the soil and it keeps the soil from drying out. Um, And I just never gave it the time of day. And now knowing about that, Mm -hmm. when I walk around, I'm like, wow, that's a really cool buckwheat. The rust color with the white is looks beautiful. And I think as, as we as people, if we could start learning again, what is around us and mm-hmm. reading the landscape and being able to to know what the basic native plants around us are and, and who uses them and how they've been used traditionally uh, medicinally yeah um, we can really have a new profound connection to our land um, and I think that's a part of our our well-being that is is missing right now mm-hmm. and that's something that you know I, I think the city, um, could have a hand in helping out with that knowledge, making sure that we highlight and give a little, you know, placard to X and Y type of plant and just let people know. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. It was thank a pleasure you so having much. you. It was awesome. <laughs> and it's so exciting to hear about, uh, you know, what's going on in our little city. Yeah, and... there's a ton. 18 square miles of fun. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, guys, if you're in the San Diego area, check out Vista. It might not, it's not SeaWorld. It's not Legoland. But there, there's a lot to do here. It's pretty exciting. So, okay. Thank you so much. Okay, and guys, all the links to the stuff we talked about is going to be down below in the description box. So make sure that you check all of that out. All right. Talk to you guys later. Bye. Okay. So special thanks to Karina Contreras, the Vista Councilwoman. You can find her on Twitter at ReprezentVista. You can find her on Instagram at ReprezentVista. And guess what else? You can find her on Facebook at slash ReprezentVista. Facebook.com slash ReprezentVista. Yes! So check all that out and check out CityOfVista.com to find out all the goings-on in our fair city. We do broadcast out of Vista by way of the underworld. Special thanks to Savage C. Walnar, our legendary announcer. Thank you so much, Savage. And... The Umine theme, written by Ethan Mexel. It's called Demilitarized Zone, and doesn't it just make you want to dance? It, it should. It's pretty good. You can go to patreon.com slash lucidnap if you want to support the show, and I, I don't know why you wouldn't want to. 
But uh, if you'd rather make a small one-time donation, go to buymeacoffee.com slash lucidnap. That's me. I'm Nap. Hi. You can also go to lostbreadcomic.com. You can buy my comic Lost Bread. You can buy art prints. And you can buy lots of other good things to support the show or commission artwork of your very own. Got an idea? I can draw it for you. It's kind of what I do for a living. So you just go ahead, take advantage of that. And you know what else? You could follow us. I mean, it would be nice. And uh, you can find all the links to all of our social media for all of our different accounts down below. And also, you should check out Creeping Wave Radio, which is our sister podcast. Creeping Wave Radio is available wherever you love to listen to your podcasts. And it is an audio drama, sort of a scripted podcast that takes place in uh, the wild and wacky universe of Lost Bread Comics. The You Mind and Creeping Wave, they're all joined under one umbrella of fun. And that umbrella of fun is available for you. You're welcome. And you know what? Thank you so much for listening and for watching if you're on YouTube. And thank you so much to The Gramerica Show, Nikki Benfield, and Neil, who are our Patreons, and we love them dearly. The You Mind is brought to you by Lucid Nat Productions in cooperation with a hairy old man. Thank you for listening. Bye. Hello, is anybody out there? Anybody. This is Jim Cobb. If you're hearing this, the worst has happened. I've recorded a podcast at the end of the world and will broadcast it on channel PEN every Friday. It's all about the apocalypse, books, movies, TV, how much food and water will you need your bunker, all that kind of stuff. Excuse me, sir. You're going to have to keep the noise down. You're in a library and you're scaring the kids. The world hasn't ended yet. Sorry, ma'am. Shh, you're in the library at the end of the world with host Jim Cobb. Fridays exclusively on Project Entertainment Network. This has been a presentation of the Project Entertainment Network.